Big welcome to everybody who's joining us today. A big welcome. This is um, a fantastic new meta uh, Metaverse webinar. We're looking at the future of play to earn games. We're looking at development, marketing and revenue strategies. And I'm really excited to have you all here today. We've got some fantastic panelists to be looking at different stories, different insights, different points of view on this fantastic new world. Um, and today we're really focusing in on the play to earn games. We've still got quite a lot of people still coming in. So a quick few notes um, and, and uh, points as they're all getting in and getting settled. So quick, quick answer to the question that I always get straight up is that will this be recorded? Yes, it will be. It will be uh, recorded and will be available on YouTube. And it will also be available on Spotify through our podcast, The Talking Giraffe. This is a live session. Our panelists are with us in real time. So do please feel free. Uh, to use the QA box um, at the bottom of the Zoom window, which you should be able to see down there. Um, so we'll be able to get those questions to the panellists in real time. So again, a big welcome to everybody here. I am Jenny Stanley. I'm the founder and managing director of Appetite Creative. We are both pioneers in the connected packaging and gamification world and creators of ApeLink, which is our dedicated platform leading the way in blockchain, metaverse, services and programming. So as we are working so much and leading in the blockchain gaming world, we wanted to talk a lot more about play to earn games or crypto games as they're being commonly referred to. One of the innovations in the crypto model is the play to earn model. And this is a business model in which we really turn over the financial logic of gaming. And instead of players having to play and pay, sorry, to play um, or to access the games, players actually have the ability to be, to be paid as they play. This is really changing uh, the gaming system, which means that video games and virtual worlds means that they can actually create, invest in tokens or NFTs and actually earn money, monetary value by playing um, these games. Some of the most popular games um, to date um, are Axie Infinity, Sandbox, Gods and Change, you might have heard of some of those. And these are really some of the safe ways to earn uh, crypto and be working with unique non-fungible tokens, NFTs. There's so much education to be done in this space, um, even though we've been around for, for two, two or so years, there's actually so much more and lots of new things um, to be learned. There is also some concern among some players, among some groups who don't trust this type of gaming. They're reluctant to understand this type of gaming. They talk about it as a scam. So I really wanted this opportunity to discuss all of those different types of, of, of comments, areas, points of view, and really talk about the play to earn model. Look at the different monetary rewards, look at the different ways. So today, with our panelists' help, we're here to discuss those issues, to talk about possible solutions, to educate you guys, to understand what you guys want to know, which is why we open up the QA, and to really understand the player community and talk about good structured uh, promotion games and promotion plans. We'll also be looking at blockchain preferences, we'll be exploring trends in ideas and mechanics, talking about player bases, revenue growth, strategies. So we really need to get into that and we need to really understand how to strike the perfect balance. So again, the QA is open for you guys to help us to understand what you need to know. 
So it's not just me, luckily enough, that we're going to be uh, talking with. We have got a fantastic, um, exceptional list of, of panellists today. We have people from Lost at Sea, from Ultra, Chain Mosaic, Affin, Mintable, Born to Die and Mysteria Capital. Our session today is an hour, so I've got to get all of this into one hour, which will be divided up into separate parts. Our first uh, panellist with us today is Douglas Erison. He is project manager and blockchain uh, strategist at Ultra and he's founder and CEO of Chain Mosaic. So I'm really excited. Welcome very much, Douglas. I'm very excited to get into that. And we're going to be really understanding a lot more around trends um, uh, and, and, and really understanding different trends and strategies uh, within that space. So before we get into that, Douglas, I'm just wondering if maybe you could tell us an interesting fact about yourself before we deep dive into the content. Uh, thank you for having me, first of all, and hello to everybody joining in. Uh, one interesting fact about me is when I was 10 years old, I entered a flower arrangement competition and I won. And the other people competing were 60 plus uh, older ladies. So I was very proud of that and uh, caused a lot of caused a lot of upset. Uh, so since then, it's been about causing upset in different industries. <laughs> Disruptive in the flower industry. I think that's a fantastic claim to fame, Douglas. Love it. Love it. Um, so obviously, um, you're here to talk about lots of different things. Chain Mosaic is a Web3 venture accelerator. Um, and obviously, Ultra is a publishing platform. So you, you're speaking uh, from, from that kind of background. Let's let's kind of um, dive straight into it and um, tell us a little bit about really NFT collections, tips around NFT collections. There's a lot of them out there at the moment. Um, some of them connected to games, some of them not. What do you think uh, creators of NFT collections need to do to make them stand out? How they're going to increase their revenue? Um, tell us tell us a little bit more about what you think from that perspective. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of uh, NFT collections ranging from, you know, wider web free interests to specifically play to earn games and um, every stage of really that development of those games. Um, and the three main, um, what can I say, focus points that I usually um, uh, focus on is value engagement and longevity. So in a nutshell, those sounds like just salesman words, but though, when you really get down to the application of those in these uh, game development strategies, they have a lot of application. So value, obviously you wanna make sure that your game has that value. This can be anything from an experience to a, a monetary reward for your players. Um, engagement is about you know constantly sharing with your community, constantly building that community through a shared channel of engagement. It's very different to how, how Web2 companies engage with their, let's say um, consumers instead in Web3 and play to earn games especially, it's not about consumerism, it's about collaboration. It's about having a community that supports you in your development. And then the last one, longevity. Um, a lot of projects make the mistake of aiming for the launch um, and maybe six months down the line, et cetera. And I always you know, try and do my best to help them uh, develop some sort of roadmap for at least a year, at least two years, three years. What's your ideal five-year plan? Um, communities that are, the, the NFT space and the play to earn, um, gaming space is developing very quickly and six months ago an nft project um, was hyped because it was an nft project and now uh, buyers or consumers are getting a lot more savvy about what they invest in 
Um, so longevity is a very important one and um, not just longevity, but again, combining those three. So value in that longevity, engagement in that longevity will sort of ensure that longevity. So it's a closed loop. And if you can get that right, like a lot of NFT projects and a lot of gaming projects have done, um, you can really create a sustainable long-term growing project. And that's kind of what I, my job is to help these projects sort of realize that. Um, and you'd be surprised how few people or how few project creators understand how important just the engagement aspect is of it. Um, because we're, we're in a different stage now of um, sharing creative content and it's about community first and uh, not the project second, but the community determines the project, not the other way around a lot of the time. So um, those are the important parts there in terms of uh, growing revenue or building a community. You know, you build a community through uh, the collection that aims to bring sort of value through a unique idea. Sounds simpler than it is, but that's the basis of it. Um, but when you concentrate on a niche interest, which is that's where you're going to find a loyal following. Um, there's, there's much bigger communities in those niche interests than you think. Uh, you grow the community organically, have a plan in place that will take the project from strength to strength to ensure that longevity. Um, and then the other part of it with the community is a lot of creators feel they need to build something great before the community even see it. But what we're finding is that the community love to be a part of the process. They love to feel a part of the process and actually, you know, own a part of that process for themselves. There's a huge mm -hmm. status symbol in being there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I always say be transparent about these challenges as well as the, as well as the successes. Involve your community in the big decisions in your game and your development of your project. And just that alone will ensure at least a longer life of your project than the one that doesn't. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but you know those few basic points, if you really apply those well, we find that it sort of results in success quite a bit. Yeah, there's some really, really good points there. Thank you very much. Um, I like the point that you made about um, trying to create that kind of niche uh, focus, because I think you're very, very right. We're talking about um, communities and, and that creates your loyal fan base. Is there any particular niche? Is there any particular um, trend at the moment that you can see in, in play to earn games? Is it any more particularly uh, interesting than others or successful than others at the moment? I'd be I'd be lying if I said that I personally see specific niches popping up. What I'm seeing rather now is we had this I don't like using the word bubble because um, it comes with people having their own connotation to it, but for lack of a better word, we saw this huge bubble in the NFT space in general and in the crypto space. What we're seeing now, especially in the, the project, uh, the NFT project side of things and the play to earn space, um, from what I can see is a refinement. Um, so we're actually moving towards those niche things instead of just having this cataclysmic chaos of different ideas throwing out there. We're now moving to a more focused area of NFT creation and project creation. In my you know, humble opinion, I think that's what's happening. So I think the niches are coming is my point. Mm -hmm. No, no, you know, I, I, we're working on some, I can see lots of others. Um, and I guess we're a bit early maybe to say that there's one particular trend or one particular niche that is more uh, successful than others. Sure, uh, sorry, yeah. I agree. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I was just going to go to um, kind of the future. Do you see that the play to earn uh, industry could grow to be a part of the AAA gaming, or do you think it's more likely to be related to indie games and creators? Can you see any kind of trend or future kind of building um, from that perspective? Um, I have personal views on it. I think the politically correct thing to say is that it's too early. 
Um, what I do see is it's very similar to what you see in the metaverse space, in the NFT space. Um, the entire Web3 space really is following a very similar pattern, in my opinion. I think the gaming space has a few more refinements and a few more, what can I say, um, loyal communities that are sort of shaping that area. But if you look at the NFT space, the metaverse space, you see these massive brands moving in. Nike has done so very successfully. Um, and I think when a, when a big brand does it well, there's no reason they can't participate. Um, and then you see other big brands, we won't name them, but Meta, um, who aren't really <laughs> succeeding in winning over the general public because there's, there's a lack of transparency there and there's a lack of sincerity. Um, so my point on that is that I think the, it's too early to tell who's going to win the battle between independent indie games and, you know, AAA huge gaming studios. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always going to be an advantage to a bigger, higher budget AAA game than there is to an indie studio. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in the timeline of delivery, budget for marketing, um, the budget for gameplay experience, all of that takes place. But I think that where the real advantage lies with the indie gamers is you can build a far more loyal following. I mean, these, these big budget games, they can impress you um, and they can sort of draw you in, but it's very rare that they can, uh, this is a personal opinion again, I think it's very rare that they can build a real loyal, passionate following. Whereas being a part of 500 people who are part of an indie game development, mm -hmm. there's a bit of a status in that and a bit of a personal touch to that. And I think that in the play to earn NFT gaming space, blockchain gaming space in general, I think there's a lot of value in that more so than the traditional gaming space. So it's yet, in my opinion, it's yet to see who's going to win that battle. But my main opinion is I don't think it needs to be a battle. I think there's space for everyone. And I think we're going to see that sort of flourish on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you only have to look at the predictions of, you know, how much this space is going to be worth in just a few years. And you can see that there's huge, huge space for everyone. Um, Andrew from the audience actually uh, has asked our first question. Thank you, Andrew. What is going uh, to be changed in future play to earn games for the next six plus months, in your opinion? Do you think it's the gameplay, monetization, game development itself? My hope is that we see some more, um, when I say triple A titles, I don't mean from big gaming studios, but triple A quality, let me say that. Um, I'm hoping that games start concentrating on the gameplay experience. They do already, but you know, again, it's mon it's monopolized and it's very centralized in terms of what can be achieved. So my hope is that games develop to sort of challenge the bigger studios. Mm -hmm. um, what I see, what I think is going to happen is going to be a real um, elimination game of, of who's sincere, who's really trying out here. And we're going to see a lot of early stage studios be knocked out of the game uh, mm -hmm. or out of the playing field because they mm -hmm. simply can't manage to break into the Web3 space. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's very challenging out there. Um, but yeah. so what I think is going to happen is the it's just going to be refined down to a few key studios, a few key um, games. There's always going to be room for more challengers. But um, overall, the gaming space, I think, is going to is really going to see a downsizing in the Web3 space, especially. It's going to boom again. But I think in the next six months with the bear market in place, we're going to see a lot of studios sort of decide to move away from it for now. Um, and the ones that stay are going to be victorious, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, absolutely. We've got another question from the audience. Thanks. Thanks, the audience. Keep them coming in. Mohammed is asking um, the question of why um, it's hard to evolve both earning and having actual fun um, in, in the current play to earn games. And I think actually um, this is a great question because it's always about, you know, is it more about earning the money or is it about 
um, is it about actually having fun? And, and, and the rest of the question is, do you think in future play to earn games are going to be played for fun or just to make a living? Does the earning factor ruin the fun factor and take it out of the equation? I think it's I think it's a great question, first of all, but I think it's so early to tell what is going to be the main focus of the space. And again, I think it's going to involve all of it. Um, the gaming space, just most uh, like most of the Web3 space or in general humans, it, it's, it's not a binary choice. It's not have fun or make money. Mm -hmm. There's going to be games that do both. There's going to do games that do one of each. Um, so it's all going to depend on sort of what the audience wants or what they choose. So I, I don't think it's an easy answer. I don't think it's a binary answer, yes or no. Um, but what I do see is it's it's so early that games can actually you can actually monetize your gaming experience or your gaming hobby that um, you know making money came out of nowhere hey you can play and earn game and earn money now mm. um, it throws the entire economic structure on its head because now we see younger people uh, younger people the entire time moving into a gaming career where mm -hmm. ten years ago this wasn't a possibility so um you know you're going to see games trying their best to make it a, a mini economy you're going to see games trying their best to make a mini economy fun to play and there's mm -hmm. going to be trials there's going to be failures there's going to be successes so my opinion is it's too early to tell who's going to come out on top but there's going to be space for everybody and i think we're going to see this is a very early iteration of play to earn um where you know if you look at sort of the early 2000s gaming industry uh, people didn't expect gaming to be one of the biggest industries in the world now. Yeah. I mean, even in the music industry, gaming is a huge focus point. Uh, and nobody could have predicted that 20 years ago. So I, I, I can't even try and predict what's going to happen in the next two, three years, let alone five. But um, yeah, it's still early and I'm excited to see what's going to be built. So thank you for the question. Um, I wish I could answer it more binary. but <laughs> They're streaming in, by the way. They're streaming in these questions. So Yasmina's being... Uh, a little um, provocative. How do you see uh, NFT future, the NFT future in the games? Because play to earn is not really a viable option. What are your thoughts? Uh, not understanding the question because NFTs, well, NFTs, I think, come as part of the, the gaming. It, it's a natural transition. Um, games have for a long time had assets you can buy. They've got different skins you can upgrade. Um, I mean, now even games as simple as the Dragon Ball Z series, for example, um, by no means necessarily a triple A game, but um, you have to purchase huge packs of characters, whereas before you had to earn them in the game. So yep. uh, many different aspects of gaming are being monetized and oftentimes because there's no other option in the, the gaming industry uh, monopolized. So they're like, you have to buy things in this game to enjoy our game and you've got nowhere else to buy games. So to, to, to do bad for you. And I think NFT sort of re recentralize or i don't like decentralize but they recentralize the the focus of gaming which is to have fun but now there's a new aspect of you can earn and i think nfts are the perfect mechanism to achieve this um you get to interact with it you get to have something that's yours it's trackable it's um rewardable um mm -hmm. and again you own it so i think nfts have a huge place in the play to earn space and whether or not we move directly from cryptocurrency and internal tokens within games NFTs just make a lot of sense, whether they're free, monetized, whatever, but they make so much sense to, to prove ownership of an asset in game. I mean, why wouldn't you want that? And you can resell it, which just adds a whole new aspect to, to uh, gaming in general before you purchase straight from the game studio and or the you know game developer platform. And it's a one-off purchase. It's a one-way transaction. But now you can actually build up that NFT to have 
you know, um, to make it a stronger weapon or to make it a more interesting skin. And you can sell it back to the community and make money off your initial investment. So I think I think the play to earn, we're going to see a lot of different developments that are going to prove NFTs have a space in the play to earn space. Uh, absolutely. I mean, but having to pay um, for new skins, new new skills, pets, whatever it might be, you know, micro in-game payments, that's nothing new. Um, you want to you want to no. skip to the next level in Candy Crush, and that's not a blockchain game. Um, you've got to pay for it. But yeah, absolutely, as you say, um, to be able to own an NFT is something that actually um, is something that has a value, which can be switched or sold within the game, if not on the on the main marketplace. So yeah, absolutely. The, the questions are still streaming in. So Kay wants to ask um, the question, which is, what is the difference between normal free games and play-to-earn games in blockchain? Normal free games seem to have their own currency too. Um, what adds the real value to NFTs uh, for blockchain uh, play to earn games? Well, I think it's all about what direction the game wants to go in. I think that you know the free to the free to play model works great because it um, you know it serves multiple functions. I mean, if you keep the game free forever, that's up to you. I think it's a great idea. But um, I know a lot of gaming studios that sort of release free to play games. To get their name out there as a marketing tool but also as a you know as a way to give back to the community this is you know perfectly acceptable way to do that and i think it's quite a smart way to do that and you often see that in the nft space separate from the play to earn game space um so i mean the main difference is monetization of it i would say but the um the play to earn game model obviously comes from a place where studios need to make an income they need to grow um, the user base and maybe they have a product that is worth monetizing um, or at least a product that they need to monetize or else they can't continue doing so and you see this a lot in the nft project space as well funding is a huge issue um, so if you're a gaming studio that can afford to release a free-to-play game and you're proud of it and the community enjoys it by all means i suggest that every single time because off the back of that interest and off the back of that community growth you can release um, some more titles that might have a play to earn aspect to it uh, again, the, the the playing field sort of up to you to determine. But um, yeah, I guess the main difference between free to play and play to earn is, um, is yeah, <laughs> it's that <laughs> one's monetized and one isn't. Yeah, exactly. The opportunity <laughs> to play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eldad, who's another person from the audience bringing us um, a, a, a great question and a great point of view, um, wants to talk about maybe the darker side. Um, and there is that. So Eldad says the earn side is, a, is is great for players, but we already know that there are conglomerates paying low wages to people to play. Therefore, the conglomerates, thank you, and um, and then they can sell the asset on. How how as an industry do we stop this part of the economy? Stop is a difficult thing because it's almost like saying like how do we up how do we root out uh, a stable um inevitability that's going to happen in every single industry you're going to have conglomeration you're going to have monopolization um it's just it's part of of capitalism it's part of the industry unfortunately it's just there the the idea is not to stop that the idea is to provide an alternative and for me personally i think that um how you do that is you support your indie game studios you support new builds you as a community member take part in the community um, there's a lot of flipping in the NFT industry. There's a lot of um, stay for a week and then leave in the gaming community. Um, and I think that where the real value is, is being a long-term community member in an indie game studio. It might not be the game that you want it to be now, but in five years time, that gaming studio could be your new favorite and you could be a real contributor to that community. And I think that 
Um, every time, what I've noticed is most of the time, I won't say every time, but most of the time where um, there's a bad view of monopolization of an industry, it's because the consumers are the ones that allowed that to happen, not necessarily the, the, the conglomerate that monopolized. Um, because if they have no support, then there's nothing they can do. And we can see this very clearly in the metaverse industries that are emerging, um, where meta is probably one of the most famous conglomerates on earth, and they are not winning the crowd over, and they are losing a lot of money for it. That is not because they're, they're not making great decisions either, but it's not because they've lost their power. It's because people have chosen to uh, re-centralize that power somewhere else, which is in more interesting projects that, you know, could probably do a better job than Meta. So um, I think that through gaming guilds, through collaboration, through the right partnerships and through loyalty and a community following, obviously the game studio has to sort of um, foster that loyalty. Um, but I think if, if the community sort of focus their efforts elsewhere, that monopoly will have to fade away. Like, you know, you can't market to nobody. So I think it's actually in the gamers hands at this point. Um, we are now starting to see alternatives to Steam. We're starting to see alternatives to the big gaming studios and get platforms that sort of keep the studios where they need to be. And those alternatives are going to become the norm in the future. And hopefully the monopolization will be reduced um, or mitigated to some degree that, that the community will see um, a huge shift in focus. Yeah, de definitely. And, you know, we, we can't say that the only uh, exploitation um, of of any type of, of community happens only in, in gaming. I mean, we, we see it across all, all different aspects and all different industries. But I think in this instance, we're talking about a type of, of gaming that really does build communities. So I also think, you know, it is in our hands and we can call out um, publicly very easily. You know, it's very obvious how quickly the domino effect can, can uh can 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 start to unfold you know we only have to look at you know all the things that have happened um in the last 10 days but you know <laughs> I, I think as well we actually have more power um with with that as as consumers to be able to call out bad things um so to speak uh, in the social world agreed um quick quick last question before we move on and um you know we've, we've had some fantastic questions here so thank you very much uh, audience what do you think, in your opinion, is the main focus of the play to earn games? Do you think it's about making money or having fun? I think that a game won't make money if it's not allowing users to have fun. So it might there might be a boom in the beginning where it's like we want to try this out, but there realistically speaking, there's not a product on earth that lasts without achieving the function that it set out to do. It's called a game. You're supposed yeah. to play it and you're supposed to have fun playing it. So if they don't achieve that basic function of a game, it's not going to last very long. Um, I mean, there are obviously successful gaming titles that have have pushed the idea that, make, that making money is the main core of the game. So the functionality is not great, but many of those don't last very long. And I'll give an example um, without without getting anyone in trouble, but uh, I think it was called Crypto, Crypto Bomb, something like that. I watched this game from uh, from the, the introduction to the fall, um, and it was a terrible game in terms. It was just you know Pac-Man basically on steroids, and your characters were four hundred dollars plus. People were spending thousands of dollars to get in because after two or three months during the crypto boom, you could earn that money back and then make more. And a lot of people made a lot of money, but the game was terrible. Um, by the time that gained enough, um, what can I say, exposure because people were making money. They started reducing the money you could make because they were mm. starting to lose money. 
And the it's just not a sustainable model. The game wasn't fun, so that wasn't a reason to go play it. It was only to make money. When you start reducing the amount of money people can make because they're making too much money off of you, then suddenly that game has no point at all. And within, yeah, I think right. it was three or four months, that game basically crashed. It's still available now, but it's not a very viable option. So uh, yeah, that's my answer is that you can't have a game making money without having fun in the long term. It might be a quick fad or something, but it's not going to last two or three years. Makes, makes perfect sense. Well, thank you so much, Douglas. Thank you so much for such great questions uh, from the audience and you being able to answer them uh, in, in such a quick fire manner. Thank you so much. We're now going to move thank to, you. to Jay and Nick and let's see if um, they have fun games that also have the opportunity to play to earn. And I think they do. Um, but before we get into that, Jay and Nick, and welcome both of you, just give us your interesting fact. Yeah, you can go first, as I know you're prepped on that. Uh, an interesting fact about me, I have two of them. One, I'm a, a pretty avid CrossFitter. So when I'm not looking at a computer, I like to go work out and stuff like that. But uh, for a little while back in the day, I was a host on a beer show on a web series that we did out of New York City. Went to a couple of breweries with me and my friend who's from Trinidad. The show was called Black and Tan. I guess you could figure it out. And we were go around and have some drinks and had a lot of fun doing it. We made about seven episodes. It didn't go anywhere, but... It was fun making it, and I just love creating and moving forward in this in um, any type of creative space. So it's yeah, that's an interesting fact about me. Thank you, Jay. Nick, did you do and have you done anything other than get drunk every day? Yeah, well, um, I think uh, probably a lesser known fact about me is uh, I spent a number of years in the military, so I've had um, the pleasure and honor of training with some of you know the finest special forces across the world. Yep, yeah, based on my unit. Pretty impressive, bit scary, so I won't annoy you <laughs> on, this, on this webinar. Great, okay. Well, both of you guys um, are coming with some amazing games, um, which obviously we're going to see a little bit from uh, both of them. I don't know, Jay, um, if we can have a look, quick look at the trailer for, for Lost at Sea. Oh, yeah, awesome. And then we can move to uh, Nick at the end of the session and have a, a good look at Athen as well. Um, are we good to see the, the video, please? Maybe they are, are you are, you guys are playing it, right? We are. It seems yep. to not be playing yet. So in the meantime, oh, okay. Um, maybe maybe tell us. I mean, it's no secret we've been working on this game with you, so yep. I know all about the game. Um, but maybe tell us a little bit how how did this idea come about? Tell us a little bit about the game. Uh, so Lost at Sea. Um, when we we made our collection, we have like a collection of 3,333 of these really weird hip hop sailors on the, the coolest life rafts you'll ever see. Um, so our NFT, as we looked at it, we're like, um, we always wanted to make this into a game right when we started brainstorming it and everything like that. Um, so right away, we're big fans of Mario Kart. We're big fans of um, racing games. So we decided that it'd be great to create a, a play to earn game where people could. All right, let's move to have a quick look at the play to earn game. This is Lost at Sea. With uh, Appetite Creative and Jenny's team. And we were able to create a really fun, really cool game with their guidance. So um, it's been a blessing since we started working with them. So game, it's the first uh, step in a long process, hopefully, of making this game for years to come. Um, but yeah, I think it can't, we're just, we just, we just, we just, uh, we're kind of finalizing up the actual gameplay, which is the most important. Then we're working onto the blockchain. 
Um, but Appetite Creative has been a great, helpful. They've been so helpful with this whole process. And um, yeah, I hope you guys like the trailer. Thank you, Jay. We lost you a little bit, but we've got the trailer ready. We heard oh, everything. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank, no worries. And thank you for the, for the lovely words there. Let's have a look at Lost at Sea. Really nice, really nice. Some it's, fun. It's a little skippy on my end. I think I think Jay's having trouble. It's five o'clock in the morning or half 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 past five or so where he is. So I think he's having a bit of problems there. But um, we had a good look at the trailer, which is fab. Nick, let's move over to your game. Tell us a little bit about Affin. Tell us a little bit about um, where it came from, um, and then maybe we can have a quick look at your trailer. Yeah, sure. So Affin, we're a Singapore-based Web3 metaverse game that's free to play, and it's also play and earn. So what we've done is we have integrated technology in terms of augmented reality, as well as geolocation gaming, whereby you know players can play virtually and also physically in real life. And it's not just a game whereby traditionally you know, they want to hold themselves up in a room and play it days on end or grind hour after hour and just to earn some in-game currency, which they could only spend in that closed loop. Mm -hmm. Our game encourages them to actually get up, you know, go about, meet friends, bring along family, start playing at various locations in the real world and actually earn in-game currency that they can then redeem at everyday lifestyle venues and cafes and restaurants, or even for like flight tickets or plays at the theater, et cetera. So what we're bringing is real world utility into the gaming domain, where first and foremost, we're a game and we want to make the game as fun and awesome as possible. That's one of our main focuses. It's around community. It's around ownership, co-creation of the ecosystem and, you know, earning in-game currency, which they can actually use in reality. Right. Okay. So two really nice different games. Let's have a look, Nick, at your trailer. Sure. So this is the trailer I just sped up. Um, so just bear with the speed here. Yep, so pretty much that was it. Very nice, very nice. So some really interesting um, animals <laughs> in there as well. So both, yep. both of those games, very, very creative in the way that they've got their characters, very much kind of uh, mystic. I don't know whether that's the right type of word for, for the characters, but then Jay, you also kind of very, fun, creative sailors as well. Um, do you think, and this is a question to both of you, so you can fight to answer it first, but do you think that's a, a really important part to a successful game? Yeah, I can, I can go first. Uh, yeah, a successful game has to be fun. It has to be creative or what's the point, you know? Um, we've seen so many, um, you know, the, the games that are engaged their audiences and their consumers the most and especially keeps them interested in these new, weird, cool things as the games that usually end up being the most successful, in my opinion. Something new, something different, because um, people get bored of the same thing. But um, yeah, that's what we've lost at sea. We have these really cool sailors and uh, 
really trying to do a lot to bring the whole entire community together by always being able to update these characters, update the levels, and um, keep our consumers engaged constantly. Nick, over to you. You've got some creative characters in there. And interestingly, you've got the concept of being able to take the um, earnings um, and actually be able to spend them in the real world. Yeah, we're really incorporating all aspects of Web3 into our game. We've got metaverse aspects, NFT ownership, and just a lot of fun. Um, you know, players can not only earn and in, in the game and actually spend it in real life, but they can actually own buddies and companions like the creatures that you're talking about. Uh, we're going to have a whole lineup of them being released over the next periods. And they can also actually acquire land in our real estate in our real estate of the metaverse that's actually spread across the real world. So everybody here would probably be able to see their own address and house in our game and be able to purchase the land around their house or all sorts of landmarks or popular areas of visitation. Mm -hmm. um, after they purchase this land, they'll actually be able to build structures on it, right? Structures that will encompass malls, stadiums, arenas, hangout spots for events and campaigns, and they can actually organize campaigns, be it an individual like yourself and I, or a business. And then they can actually create a call to action, activate players to go down to their plots of land and actually earn from those activities in the forms of taxes or leasing, right? So it's really a multifaceted ecosystem that they're co-creating. And this is just one world out of the many worlds that we're gonna create interoperably that allows people to actually take their assets and NFTs across the various realms. Nick, when's the game going to be available? We're targeting early next year. So sometime in Q1, we're gonna have various kinds of events, competitions and tournaments. Uh, we're actually releasing the purchase of land flags to acquire land is actually already opened. So marketplace at a fin is where people could go and purchase flags, which will make them eligible to plant them on land plots when the various cities are launched starting from December all across next year, right? So we're starting off with Singapore where we are based and where it's also a very international and cosmopolitan population and city. And, you know, we're gonna release UK and Europe and the Americas, you know, across the next months and quarters. Really nice, really nice. Yeah. Jay, we know that the game is uh, going to be, re be released uh, early early next year. Tell us tell us a little bit about um, the type of people who you have um, interested in the game. I know you've got a fantastically huge community already. Uh, yeah. tell, tell me more about it and, and the blockchain that you've chosen. Uh, so right now, um, our community is amazing. Um, you know, we sold out our NFTs uh, in three minutes. And since then, we've been building this game for about a year now. Uh, we, we kept the community engaged with staking, raffles, etc. cetera. Um, so what we decided to do is that for our blockchain is that everyone's as a user, anybody's going to be able to be able to play not just NFT holders, but NFT holders will benefit from people playing the game. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're trying to do is that so when you go to race, it's going to be a, almost like a, wait, a play to earn. It's going to be like a wager to earn where everyone it's almost like putting a quarter into a. I think we're losing him, but I think he's going to say it's like putting a quarter into a jar and betting on winner, who's going to be second, the winner. Oh, here we go. In place, the third place will take back some of their money 
and we'll take a percentage on every single race that again. Did I drop? You're back now. Yeah, you're back now. Oh man, so, I'm so sorry. No, no, going on no worries. We've got, we've, we've got the idea. I think it's a bit like uh, probably that a few companies or, or friend groups have probably got wages going on the World Cup. So it's a bit like that and everybody putting in their money, right? Yep, then everyone, then the winner, and then we the, the payouts will be subsequent to how you play, how you finish in the race. We'll also have AIs in the game, so you could play, you'd be able to play against the house, like if you were playing. So in case you don't have any friends to play with, we'll be your friend. You know, so that's kind of, um, and we're hoping that as we build up more, we have a couple of uh, large gaming platforms, Web3-based companies that are interested in hosting us on their companies, such as um, we've been in talks with Fractal, Elixir, and Magic Eden. So ho hosting them will definitely help with the marketing and et cetera. Great stuff. Great stuff. And you're on the Solana blockchain. Of course. Yeah. Solana blockchain, I think, is the future for the P2E uh, to, for gaming in general, because it's speed, um, transactions are quick. Um, so I think that's kind of something that we, and the, the technology, underlying technology in Solana, I think we think is the best so for us. Nick, I if actually don't know. Transaction in ETH, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say to Nick, I don't know which blockchain he chose. So uh, what, throw your hat into the ring, which blockchain are you on? We're on Polygon. Okay. For you know the obvious reason, speed and also very low cost of microtransactions, uh, because I think you know microtransactions are also a big part of uh, gaming and where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's about the speed and the adoption is decent. So yep, so far it's been uh, great. Absolutely, um, we're we're we we can get, enter into a big discussion there um, about which which is the winner. But I you know I want to avoid that for now. Um, good, good reason. Speed, of course, is important. Uh, that's that's very important to be able to uh, move things fast when people are already in gameplay. You don't want to have long, long waiting times. Douglas, jump in. You're free. I would love to just do a shameless plug to both Jay and Nick. Um, Ultra has its own blockchain. If you guys also want to host on Ultra, please give me a shout. We would love to. We would love to talk about um, hosting your games on our platform. Um, just as a side, uh, Ultra's blockchain has zero transaction fees and is twenty-four thousand transactions per second, one of the fastest in the world. Just a shameless plug over there. So please give us a shout afterwards, um, and I'm sure we can discuss hosting on our uh, platform as well. And I, I know it was coming, Douglas, but all good. Absolutely. All good. I'll connect you all. Um, back to some questions um, from the audience. So um, this is both to uh, to Jay. This is also uh, to Nick. Um, what what other than the community, which of course is a very big part of of the whole game release and the marketing. What other key ways are you doing marketing? Is there any paid media um, that you guys are involved in at the moment? To Nick. Sure. So. Yeah, we really explore all avenues. We've done various forms of partnerships and collaborations with agencies, some of the best in the market. So we, we cover all areas of articles, publications, you know, white papers, um, videos and AMAs, etc. Various shout outs across platforms. And we also have a very, very strong community and, and you know, very sizable population of community leaders and fan base that follow us extremely closely. And we also have real world partnerships, right? We are partnered with some of the most robust brands in the world, right? 
brands um, that are in music production, in banking and financial services, in insurance, and uh, even in day-to-day e-commerce and logistics. So, you know, we, we are currently at a phase where we are progressing in terms of developing the, the next steps with them. So I can't really mention outright, but their household names, you know, world-renowned brands. And um, yeah, we, we really spread it across uh, all aspects to not only touch on NFT communities and gaming communities, but really the masses, because what Affin is about is about free-to-play. So we're going to leave it that way because we want to democratize, play and earn on blockchain in Web3 uh, Web and Metaverse domain for the masses. Fantastic. Really excited to hear which brands you've got there and uh, I'll be keeping a, a good eye out there. Um, sure. Jay, over to yourself. I mean, to sell out all of your NFTs in three minutes, that's uh, pretty, pretty amazing. So tell us, was it all community uh, or was there any other marketing that you needed to do there? We did a ton. We have a lot. We have a lot of our, some of our other partners they have a lot of following and friends and twitter so we have a lot of influencers that were able to help us out and spread the word about us um we also did a ton i'm a i'm a content creator creative director here for the things uh for our group so we were able to make a lot of videos to really explain to the community what our plan was um, we were very transparent with them which is very important so i feel like especially in NFTs in this space is that you don't follow the, you shouldn't follow the art. You should follow the people behind the art, people behind the company, because there's so many fraudulent NFTs that are out there and groups that are constantly just, um, you know, they're pulling the rug constantly, or they don't really know what they're doing. They don't have a plan. We came in this with a plan and our marketing plan going forward is that once this game releases, we're going to use our influencers, um, we're going to use some investors money to some investment money that we have to really push up, push the game and really go create, go hundred percent at it and really, um, make a big push to get everyone playing, earning some money. And, um, yeah, that's kind of, and you know, we think the game is fun enough that it'll keep the, the addiction factor up that people keep coming back and wanting to play because it is a, it's a real fun game. It, it's, um, you know, it's very much like, I hate to say Mario Kart, but it's very much like that. But it's these drunken sailors throwing bottles at each other, smoking themselves out with cigars. It's it's a really fun game. And like the, the levels are made. We have six playable levels, four playable characters. Um, and, you know, it's, it's looking great. So I think we think the game with, with trailers and videos and um, AMAs um, are going to really bring the whole thing together once we get pushed. We're going to do a big push Q1. That's our plan. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, I can I can both hear from both the passion and the excitement about the games, which is fantastic. Um, it also leads me thinking about something that actually one of our audience members has raised as well. Um, Mido asks, what about branding opportunities? Um, are there branding opportunities within these games? Um, I'll go, I'll go to you, Nick, first. Um, I guess so because we're talking about partnerships. But tell us more about that. Yeah, there are many big brands out there that are, you know, household names, like I shared, that are very interested in our project and what we're developing because they can actually come in, own a plot of land, brand it in their name. So anybody from across the world can now access those brands, even though they are subject to a specific territory at this point in time. Mm -hmm. We are going to be the catalyst for them to really glow, uh, sort of, you know, go global and really grow at a pace exponentially. And they're going to be able to build structures on those lands, right? They're going to be able to create a hub 
a world or a zone in their name. And they can actually put lots of branding advertisements and uh, images of their brand and their logos or their promotions all over their structures. And they're going to be able to guide and attract people into their world, engage them, right? And allow them to actually see maybe a showroom or a concierge client center area or a performance for music production companies and then start buying merchandise on the spot in our metaverse. Wow, sounds very exciting. Jay, any branding opportunities? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, when, you, when you're looking at the levels we're designing, we're putting up billboards and we're putting up, um, there could be partnerships with anybody for they want to advertise on their billboards or they want to advertise with a character or a, um, a level even. So there's always branding opportunities to be had. And um, we kind of, we went forward thinking that that's kind of, that's kind of branding that we're going to do that people could advertise, say it's a new NFT coming or a website. And um, that's kind of our plan with our branding that, and with the way the characters are going with the microtransactions, people will be able to sell some of these characters or even help the brand man gone back to sleep so nick we've got another question um from the audience um really is is it's from my i also and he asked, i feel like my internet's dumping out i apologize again <laughs> he asked about how you feel about the the crashing crypto move back to credit cards and i suppose i'll ask there as well how you feel about launching your game um at this kind of time that we're in yeah for us we're totally you know uh, unaffected by it we don't look at that at all. In terms of uh, just to touch on our principal funding and all that, our funds are all placed very securely in banks. And, you know, we, we don't borrow or lend it out or leave it staking or something like that anywhere where it will jeopardize the liquidity. Mm -hmm. uh, we are wholly focused on investing into the development of our game, our metaverse, our project for the community and for the B2B companies that we're working with. So we are unscathed. And we are unaffected by, you know, what's happening recently. We understand that it's happening, but we're taking this chance to build even more. And the very foundation of our concept is we're a very, very awesome, fun game that's going to allow people to enjoy with their friends, their family, and engage with businesses, which is all one and the same as how it is outside in the real world. It's just that we're making it much more engaging and much more value added and also accessible and convenient that they can do it from home so uh, we you know totally you know we're all good with the situation right now we're just focused uh, we had an nft nft release as well which sold out in about one and a half minutes mm -hmm. so um all of those are gone you, jay. <laughs> those are, no, jay did really well as well you know around the same amount of time and, uh, you know, all those buddies you were admiring earlier on, those were the ones that were sold out just, you know, in a snap of a finger. And yeah, what I, we're I going think... to now is, is really the land. And, and that's going to, you know, take it many notches up with the structures and the branding and everything like mm -hmm. that. So we're still going full steam. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, I, I was just going to come back to the, those characters. And, you know, I think as well, it comes to the, the creativity. I think both of the, the characters and the artwork within the games are really good. So I'm only joking about one and a half minutes or three minutes. I think, you know, anyone would be sure. happy with anything like that. 
Um, there's 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 no real competition there. It's okay. But um, I, I I think as well that is about it comes back to the creativity. It comes back to what Douglas said earlier as well. It can't just be about making money because in the end that kind of is a very very, very short term view on something where of course the bottom will fall out of it and people will no longer be interested. So definitely definitely love that. Um, Jay, I've got another question which kind of follows on the question which which I just asked Nick. Um, this is from Katie um, and she just says how do you feel about the impact um, FTX will have on blockchain such as Solana obviously you're you're on Solana how, how do you feel about that how do you feel about the crash uh, to be honest with you I, I'm the I'll just I'll preface this I'm like the creative director I'm not the blockchain money guy right <laughs> so um, you know for me sorry um, I think a, a, a soul is a soul at this point, you know, this is, we have to keep moving forward and um, we're going to be, we're, we're very happy with where we're heading. Um, I know this is like devastated a ton of people and it really terrible. Um, but for the, us, for the game industry, uh, I think it's going to make it stronger. It's going to be more protections, hopefully in the future for a lot of people. Mm. And that's hopefully they're protect. We're going to try to protect our users as much as possible because that's, going to bring that brand with uh because once people trust the brand more they'll trust the game and they'll want to play it yeah. so um so I, I that's all i can really say about it no i'm sorry yeah. throwing you there throwing okay. you there. i mean from as a as a as a as a studio as we work across different blockchains we we do work on solana we don't only work on solana mm -hmm. um i do think one of the things that does stand out for me um is is the real community um for the solana blockchain you know that's of course. unlike any other that we've worked on and i think that community really kind of keeps keeps that moving forward whereas maybe you know if it hadn't had such then i think the, the impact on solana would have been been even more so and picking up on what you said nick as well you know it's the opportunity i think for more transparency for people to you know ensure as companies that they're not uh you know, over over leveraging or staking or making things unprotected uh, for the people who are involved so that, you know, people can feel safe, people can trust. So I think, you know, it's a real opportunity for crypto to kind of move things forward um, and actually Indeed. clean up a little bit of some of the bad players, right? Yeah, I think, you know, pertaining to one of the points in your question, which was earlier on, uh, about it coming from crypto or blockchain back into traditional cash, fiat or credit cards. Um, for us, it doesn't really change anything because um, at the end of the day, we're all about real world application and utility and spending and redemption. So we're actually working with some of the largest payment networks and card networks in the world to tap on their merchant network and create those alliances whereby we can build that ecosystem and bring in the businesses to actually transact with customers so it's going to be a B2B to C kind of ecosystem. And we're going to have all those areas, uh, potentially even a car that, you know, has a payment network on it with our branding a fin that you could spend around the world. Yeah, real, real use utility. Yep. Um, bringing, bringing, bringing the kind of connection between Web2 and Web3. So really, really exciting there. Um, I also see... Um, huge opportunities for other for other areas um barinda also mentions a little bit about this and and um they say i can see the play to um, being an opportunity in the healthcare industry and for society to play to earn to exercise um i don't know if if you guys want to comment on that douglas you can jump into i can see you nodding your head 
Yeah, I mean, this has already been a tried and tested model and definitely something that is worth doing. I mean, it needs a lot of tweaking. Um, we saw that with, I think it was called Steppen was the app, if I'm not mistaken. That took off like crazy, um, but it's very much subject to abuse, these kinds of models at the moment, you know, uh, exercise to earn, et cetera, because um, it's very difficult to monitor real world activity um to to earn from it so there's a lot of ways to work around it and it wasn't a sustainable business model when one gentleman um who put it out on tiktok had 20 phones all moving in a walking manner he'd constructed a machine and basically taking step in for everything that they worth i mean ingenious way to to move through the system but they, these models are being refined better and better but i think the 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 real life play to earn exercise to earn monetizing everyday activities is going to be a, a huge industry moving forward. I just think it needs quite a bit of refinement. And like you said, we're going to get rid of a lot of bad actors as it goes along. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Nick, Jay, anything around the health industry? Um, yeah. play, to, play to exercise? Move to yeah, definitely. Um, we already have active alliances with insurance companies that are looking to enhance the health aspect of the population. And um, they have their own gamified uh, sort of apps, right? So gamification is really where it's going nowadays, even in standard apps that adults use. Uh, we have that geolocation augmented reality function integrated, which I shared earlier, and that will allow them to better track people that are going around, you know, locations and moving from place to place, be it running, et cetera, right? Just like you would have on a GPS system, right? Or Google Maps. So that's what we have. It's fully intertwined and seamless with our platform and our game. And we also, apart from healthcare, we can do a lot of branding for visibility and information about how to live a healthier lifestyle and how to exercise more, et cetera, and better best practices. And also philanthropic foundations that want to increase awareness are going to be a part of our metaverse, where today they're struggling to get more visibility and more adoption. Definitely, there's so much, there's so much development. I think there's so much opportunity here um, and so much learning, whether it be from ways in, in, in which companies uh, protect their uh, consumers, whether it's in ways that game studios perhaps like step in, protect themselves from uh, people who want to take advantage of the system. There's so much that's, that's happening here. So that's really, really exciting. Jay, I suppose I would just ask you as a quick final um I think piece to end up the webinar. What do you think uh, the future is uh, for, for for gaming? Do you think that many more games are going to turn to this type of model with micro uh, microtransactions and cryptocurrencies, NFTs, utility, or do you think this is a bit of a phase? How do you see the future? Uh, I think we're living in the future now. If you, anybody has kids that play Fortnite or Roblox, you're seeing they're already learning how to do this at a very early age, buying skins, V bucks. Roblox dollars, they go, they want to buy this hat for $2. So um, I know my internet's kind of sick, so I'll keep my answer very short, but I already see it's happening. So it's impossible. I, I see that P2E gaming is going to be the future. Um, maybe not so much like people earning livings on it, but people are going to be able to do microtransactions and get themselves to the characters they want for complete customization. Um, and then there's going to be a lot of people that can can make money on it. So I think that's uh, whoever figures that well, everyone's figuring that out as we're going. We're very, very, very early into this. So, um, but the 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 big Fortnites and the Roblox and those companies are already doing it. They're making a ton of money. They're giving out free games, and then you go buy 
$200 worth of um, V-Bucks, and then you could keep updating your character, and they're going to keep going with that model. So we're actually going to try to follow that model as well, which I'm sure a lot of people are. Um, but yeah, I think we're already, we're already in the future. We just have to figure out the blockchain aspect and getting people playing on it to people and for people to trust it. Nick, more, much more. I, I know you're obviously bringing in a lot of, of, of Web2 into the Web3. So I can see that's where you see the future. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Web2 and Web3 are going to be one in the same. Um, a lot of companies now, uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it as seamless and democratizable as possible, right? So easy, you know, nothing that will kind of intimidate anybody, brands or players, uh, just like we want to democratize it and bring the masses onto our game without even realizing they're on the blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. With mm -hmm. a free to play, very simple, seamless game. And businesses can come on as well. Our model is very simple, but very potent and effective and applicable. So, you know, any business from a Web2 background can actually understand what the benefits of Web3 are with our model. Mm -hmm. Great. Really exciting. Douglas, final words, future gaming. What do you think? Um, I think what it's a perfect place to leave it is what Nick said, is that, you know, there's a big uh, misconception that Web2 and Web3 are somehow separate. Um, Web3 is the next iteration of Web2. It's also, it should be seamless. It's one um, one model moving into each other. It's it's there's no difference between it. It's just evolving into it. Um, and I think when when people start realizing that on a mass scale, we're going to see a lot more mass adoption because the learning curve will be significantly mitigated. So um, yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it personally. But uh, thank you for having me, and thanks for all the questions. And to the other panelists, Jay and Nick, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone. It's been an absolute pleasure to have so many questions. We haven't answered them all, so I will share them actually around and send the answers out along with the recording um, of this as well. Um, thank you very much, Douglas. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you very much, thank Jay. You. It's been really exciting uh, to hear about the new thank games so and hear about the thoughts of the future. Um, obviously, we're Appetite Creative, um, who are around to help with any play-to-earn games, blockchain, or monetization strategies for the blockchain. So do let us know if you've got any questions or other comments that you'd like our panelists to answer as well. It's been fantastic. I've got to go. You've all got to go. So thanks so much. And we'll see you again next time.